Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We're recording this uh, podcast at 11, uh, 11 a.m. East Coast time. We aren't ready for the Thursday night games, the three or the three Thursday games, not even just Thursday night, which is weird. Not, not weird. Great. But, uh, you know, only get this once uh, once a year. So we're not going to touch on any of those games, I assume. Any analysis or stuff that you would want to hear, you've already heard. And if you're listening to this pod, it might not be up before the first game actually kicks off, which is Bears-Lions. We're going to touch on seven really, really good games that we have coming Sunday. A lot of really close lines. I think only one of the lines that we have on the slate is more than four points which is crazy to say because normally there's only a few games that are within that three to four, the three to four point range or less. Right. Yeah. I, I just think it's like a perfect week of um, matchups. Like, you know, a lot of divisional games late in the season, um, which is always nice. And then just like a lot of good matchups, like, um, you know, like the Niners and Vikings, for example, they're playing each other. And then the Packers and Rams are playing each other and just stuff like that across the board. It seems like well-matched teams are going head to head. And it, yeah, it goes back to what we were saying or what we've been saying the past couple of weeks where there's, there's a lot of really good teams. There's in the AFC in particular, there's no top tier team. So you don't really see those big lines where, you know, in the NFC, you do sometimes see that where the drop off is significant. But when we look to the NFC games, we have like the Packers versus the Rams. So those are two of the best teams in the NFC right now. And that that line's not going to be big. The line's right now Rams minus one. So it, it, it goes along with you know, where the league is right now, where there are a bunch of teams really jockeying for position because there are a bunch of teams kind of on the same level. But then when you look at the top teams, like I just laid out with the Rams and the Packers, they're playing each other. So that's where you don't get the disparity where, you know, in past weeks, it's like the the Titans or, or I was going to say Titans versus the Texans, but we all know the Texans covered that spread. But if you just along those lines where you don't have the top teams playing those bottom tier teams. No, it, just, it just seems like teams are like well matched up this week for sure. Like even the Texans and the Jets, they're going up against each other. So you don't even get the 10 point spread for either of those teams. That knocks out two massive spreads that you would normally have on any yeah, other game. Panthers, week. Dolphins, like it's just yeah. across the board. And yeah, the biggest spread is on like is the Titans and they're plus seven against New England. England and it's just because um just because they have so many injuries and you know if the Raiders were healthy that game would be closer if the Bills were healthy that that game or sorry if the Saints were healthy that game would be closer I mean it really just a great week yeah no I agree so let's get right into it we'll start out with the AFC North battle the Steelers versus the Bengals right now Bengals favored by four Steelers anticipating to get back TJ Watt Minka Fitzpatrick and Joe Hayden this week after they missed last week in the loss against the Chargers these teams men week three with the Bengals beating the Steelers in Heinz Field 24 to 10. And that one, it was pretty handily. I mean, you look at the box score for that one. Joe Burrow only had to throw the ball 18 times that game. And they had 18 rushes. They were very efficient with scoring. They didn't really need to do much. I really like this number for the bet for the Steelers. Mine are the plus four coming even off, you know, everything that like the short week after the Sunday night game and the injuries that potentially could linger. I, I know Minka Fitzpatrick will be back. TJ Watt and Joe Hayden, I think, are they're anticipating they'll be back, but we'll, we'll see. But I still like these because we've seen the recipe to, you know, make things difficult on the Bengals is to generate pressure on that suspect offensive line. And the Steelers are very, very well equipped to do that, especially with TJ Watt. I anticipate, again, he will be playing. I'm not going to go full-blown, like, Super Bowl argument that, you know, we like to bring up in the pod, but the Steelers are just a half game up on four teams in the AFC, so it's crucial they don't go 0-2-1 over this over the three-game stretch they're in the middle of right now where they tied with the Lions, they lost to the Chargers. If they drop this one, they're 0-2-1, and and then playoff position-wise, that tie could actually be, you know, the thing that's keeping them towards the bottom of that next group of teams. Meanwhile, the Bengals are 
well positioned in the wild card race. Obviously, they can drop the game, but I just think that the Steelers, if they're trying to make that playoff push, they can't go, they can't get swept by the Bengals. I like the number for Pittsburgh too. Um, you know, I think four is a good amount of points. Like you said, they're getting a lot of a lot of people back. Um, and I also think the Bengals are kind of showing some flaws. Um, you know, even in that Raiders game, I thought the game was closer than the final score was, if that makes sense. You know, that I didn't think that they really blew them out, especially until the fourth quarter. And then also with the Steelers, I mean, it's hard to tell some weeks they look like the worst offense in the league. And some weeks they scored 37 points. So you never really know what you're going to get with them. But, um, you know, if they're able to score 20, 21 or so, it, sh it should be a close game. Yeah, we like that Bengals offense. I mean, they put up 19 in the fourth quarter. A bunch of that came with the Raiders, you know, turning the ball over late in that game and giving them positions in their own field position to, you know, salt that way, that game away, probably a little bit more so and make the score seem a lot a lot more lopsided than it, than it was. And the offense has still been a little bit stagnant and a little bit, you know, trying to find its groove back again, especially when it comes to the deep ball, like we laid out last week when we were previewing that Raiders Bengals game. And, you know, it's tough against this. The Steelers secondary isn't great. And especially if Joe Hayden's not there, but I expect the ability for them to generate pressure to also the ability for the Steelers to generate pressure against this Bengals offensive line, this offense to keep them from really generating that downfield, those downfield looks that we had seen, you know, Justin Fields take advantage of. We had seen Justin Herbert take advantage of, of this Steelers, you know, suspect secondary. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Let's, let's move on. Uh, our matchup. My team versus yeah. your team. First, first time this season, Giants, Eagles, Eagles favored by three and a half, despite the fact that they are on the road. Eagles flying high, Giants on the brink of collapse. They just fired their offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett. I mean, I've been, I've been waiting for that for a little bit. I, I thought he shouldn't have came back this season. I laid it out when we were previewing this team. I said this offense, no matter how many good guys they have on them, whether it was bringing in Kenny Galladay, whether it was getting Saquon back, bringing in Kadarius Tony, it was going to be capped by the fact that their offensive coordinator isn't innovative, does this same thing, sticks his head, his head is stuck in his ways. And the fact is it was proven right because they could not get out of their own way. The concepts when it came to the, the plays that they would call just a lot of jumbo, a lot, like a lot of, um, a lot of stuff overlapping. I mean, I've seen so many countless clips around Twitter of guys that are going in depth on the film and it's just, just such bad concepts and such bad, design of the plays and I have to think that you know I don't expect Freddie Kitchens who I expect to be the play caller come Sunday I don't mm. expect him to be like Sean McVay or Andy Reid but I mean I expect him to be an upgrade over Jason Garrett and we've seen when he took over with the Browns midway through the season as the play caller they took a they took a step up they they got better and it didn't necessarily replicate the season after but you know just take like he brings in new ideas brings in fresh ideas and the fact is I I have to believe that he will be better for them than what Garrett was. The one thing that makes me nervous is that the Giants haven't been good at stopping the run. And that's what obviously the Eagles have been doing really well, especially over the past couple of weeks or last four or five weeks when they've started to generate this win streak. They rank third in rush O DVOA. Meanwhile, the Giants rank uh, 30th in rush D DVOA. So, <laughs> I mean, they, that's definitely going to be an emphasis, I think, for them. Patrick Graham, I'm sure, knows that going into this game. But the fact is, if they not, they're not able to stop the run, if they're not able to halt those drives, there's not going to be, they're not really going to have a chance. And it could get really loud with booze in MetLife. And I, I, since I'll be there, I, I might be, uh, might be helping out in those booze. Yeah. Well, and they're going to be a good amount of Eagles fans there too, because, you know, these teams are trending um, in opposite directions. The Giants are headed for another typical Giants season and the Eagles are sort of looking around saying, Oh, we might actually the playoffs. I mean, that's how I feel after the against the saints. Um, you know, I read some of the stats from the past couple of weeks about how, 
it's three weeks in a row now that they've had like 200 yards rushing and multiple guys, you know, 60, 60 and 40 or something like that. So they're, they're balanced. They get a lot of yards, they stick to it. Um, and, you know, unless they totally decide to change things up for, for no reason or start doing stupid mistakes, you know, I feel that the Eagles would lose this game before the Giants would win it, if that makes sense. You know, if the Eagles just do what they've been doing well the past few weeks, I don't see how they don't get it done. It definitely feels a little bit trappy to me, but, um, you know, you, you would think that they're, they're the better team. They're playing really well. They have more to play for. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I would think the Eagles get it done. Although I did notice that the line just went um, – to three from three and a half. So oh, really? Giants. well, that's going to adjust it. Yeah. I, I, I really like that three and a half number for the giants. I thought that was the perfect spot. Like you were saying, the Eagles are playing, you know, really well, really good football. The giants, you know, not really that, that great, not looking that great, especially on that, on that uh, Monday night game against the bucks. But I thought this was a good spot, especially with the fact that Darius Slate could be out for the Eagles. And that's, you know, after that, there's their corner depth gets really, you know, really shaky there. And the giants, Obviously, I laid it out before. They don't have a shortage of weapons to attack in the passing game. It's more so just, you know, getting in the right concepts and getting the right play calls. And I I didn't have faith in Jason Garrett. I don't have the utmost faith in Freddie Kitchens, but I like to think that, you know, the zero faith I had in Jason Garrett, I think that Freddie Kitchens could be a a three out of 10, you know, and that's that's a step in the right direction. That is an upgrade. Yep. Okay, let's get to the next one. Pats, Titans, the big spread of the week. Pats favored by seven at home. I definitely think the Pats are the better team, but seven points is a lot, right? Well, you know, I I just think like this is um like if the Titans were healthy, this would just be another amazing game in this like very well scheduled week, but they're not. And, and we just saw, I mean, what I talked about on Monday was like no AJ Brown, no Derrick Henry, no Julio. Like, how are you supposed to score points? So I think that's the reason you see the total as low as 43 and a half and the spread still being seven. So, you know, yeah, I, just, I think they're expecting AJ Brown to play, but you know, obviously Bill Belichick, his thing, obviously he's the only, like you, like you lay down on Monday and like you, I think you were alluding to right now is they, they don't have another guy, especially with Julio out and obviously Derek Henry out. There's no other guy that really poses a threat to you. So, I mean, we've seen Bill Belichick take out the number one option time and time again. It's, you know, it's kind of his be, MO. It's going to be like a 70, 80% AJ Brown at best, right? It's going to be tough for him to come back and be a hundred percent, you know, after getting injured the week prior. Um, even if he does play. So yeah. I just think it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult for them. I do think it's kind of trappy. Like you know, like oh, everyone loves the Patriots now. They're so good now, they're set what seven and four, something like that. And the Titans, like I thought the line, I thought the number five and a half was a little bit high. And now they're seven. It's like I know they just lost to the Texans, but this team's like eight and three. And eight and three is eight and three, regardless of who's playing. Honestly, I feel that way anyway. So, you know, I think their defense could be good. I know the Patriots offensive line is good, but I still think the Titans could bring some pressure. Um now I think this number is high. I mean, I would not recommend taking Pats minus seven. I just think it's a high number. I agree. This is probably a stay away from me. And if I had to pick a side, I'd probably go with the Titans because of the fact it's a lot of points. The one thing that makes me nervous, though, is that when you dive into the numbers of, you know, the offense for the Tennessee Titans is they're averaging 21 points per game. And if you take away the pick six and then the the interception by Stafford in the end zone that set him up within the 10 yard line, that number drops down to 16 points per game in the three games since Derrick Henry was injured. And before that, they were averaging 30 and a half points. So you're knocking off pretty much two touchdowns from what you're averaging without a running back. And obviously Julio being there impacts that, but it's not like he's been, you know, super in the lineup throughout the entire season to begin with. 
but I do agree with you because it's this point where, you know, this Titans team is still good. We've seen the numbers on Vrabel when they're underdogs and especially when they're getting around seven points, like they were with the Rams and we saw the numbers after it's like, look how good Vrabel is and all of this type of stuff. And you have the patch riding high after an impressive, you know, really impressive win against a Falcons team that's, you know, very pretty bad, but it's still a very impressive win in a spot that I thought that that was a little bit of a trap game. Yep. And the Titans lost to the Texans, but I also think the Texans are better with Terod Taylor than we, I think, give them credit for. Me too. But I expect them to at least keep this one close, especially when you look at the Titans are also four and one on the road while the Pats are two and four at home. The Titans seem to love this underdog mentality. And when everybody's riding high on the Pats and the Pats are, you know, everybody's darling at this point. Mac Jones is everybody's rookie of the year pick, even though Jamar Chase is probably the guy that you should go with. It's it sets up for a nice, you know, a nice little uh you know, Titans keeping this one close, keeping it to like a three to four point game. I don't necessarily say that they're going to win outright, but I think seven points is a lot for an offense that really isn't super high powered. And I like to think that Ryan Tannehill will keep, will operate the offense a lot better and keep and make the opportunities to score points into points that I don't think the Falcons were able to do. Like the Falcons had time and time again, they had opportunities to put up points against this New England defense, despite how bad they were the entire game, uh, the, the offense was. I like to think that Ryan Tanner, who, who's better than Matt Ryan at this point in his career, will be able to capitalize on those opportunities. Yeah, and I, I think, um, and like you said, with Rabel being back, I mean, there, there are a lot of reasons that you could give excuses for the Titans losing this past week, and some of them are going to be fixed, and some of them are going to be the same problems they had as far as, like, you know, the Henry injury and Julio. Um, I also think, you know, the Patriots, you mentioned the Thursday night game, so they haven't played in, like, 10 days, which is another, you know, thing in their favor. Um, yeah, I just like the Titans number. I do think it's a good number. Um, still don't think I would take it, but I just wouldn't take Pats minus seven. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's so yeah, we're both staying away from that one. Uh, it's I think it's one of them. It's not like super fishy, but it's one of those where it's like you know I I see so many different ranges of outcomes with this game. I I just can't peg it. I'd rather just stay away from it. It's one of those. It's like the best team in the conference is getting seven points. I'm not gonna bet against that, but I don't. But like, there's so many reasons not to take it too. So it's one of those things. Yep. Okay, Bucks, Colts, Bucks minus three, that team that, you know, we all saw Jonathan Taylor run wild against the Bills, and now he goes up against a Bucks run defense that ranks fourth in rush DDVOA. They expect Vita Vea back, who is out on Monday night against the Giants. And on the flip side, the Bucks rank first in pass ODVOA, while the Colts rank 20th in pass DDVOA. So when I look at this, I get the Bucks. Minus, I get, you know, I have to eat the three points, but I get the better quarterback. And then the strength of the Bucks offense is the weakness of the Colts defense, while the strength of the Colts offense is the strength of the Bucks defense. So it's just like it matches up better. The, the Bucks can exploit what they want to do offensively through the pass game with their quarterback. And the, the strength of the Colts offense is going up against the strength of the Bucks offense or Bucks defense. And the fact is, I'm not sure how much success they're going to be able to get there. Yeah, you know, the, the good thing about this Bucks team is what you mentioned with the Bucks being so good at rush defense. And as we see more and more, you know, good teams, especially in the AFC, we see it um, doing this at least pretty balanced, if not rush first attack. It's like this is a good matchup for these Bucks, um, you know, the Colts, Browns, um, Ravens, whoever you want to whoever you want to name. It's these run first teams. Um, I think it's a really good test for the Colts who have started to like prove themselves more and more the past few weeks. But I also think it's a good test for the Bucs, who are either, you know, still kind of in a bit of trouble after the past few weeks, despite the win against the Giants, or they're about to go on a big run, which I think is more likely. So I would probably lean Bucks minus three as well. 
Yeah, we were talking about it when uh, when who did they play a couple weeks ago? I gotta say because we were talking football about like their team. schedule. Who? We're talking about the Bucks. Oh, no. the football yeah, team. the Bucks. Okay, never mind. They haven't even played anyone. But like after the Washington loss, it's like is this team really like you know they haven't beaten anybody really good to begin with? I mean, the Cowboys early on in the first the first game of the season with Dak was you know first game back from a massive yeah. injury and all that type of stuff, and they still have like young guys coming into their own. And then you go Not down the go down teams. the list. Both teams can make a real statement with this one for yeah. sure. Especially when you think about the fact of from the Colts perspective, the Titans, you know, faltering a little bit. What are they right now? When I look at the standings, they're two games up. So this could, they could be one game up really in the, in the record wise, obviously they need the Colts need to be a game up because the Titans own the tiebreaker. But the fact mm -hmm. is, if you expect the Colts, if you expect the Titans to lose, which we, we have in other times and they've come out winning, but you know, when they're getting seven, you have to anticipate that the other side's going to win. Right. This is a nice opportunity for the Colts to gain a little bit of ground there and continue the momentum that they have as they've sort of inch, inch closer towards, you know, taking back potentially the AFC South. Agreed. Okay. 49ers Vikings right now, 49ers minus three Vikings have won three straight games. 49ers, I believe two straight Vikings though. Three straight games, all as underdogs, with two of them on the road. Now they go up again on the road as an underdog. And when you go through the metrics of this, Vikings, really good in the past, oh, in pass offense, DVOA ranking second, but 29th in rush, which is kind of surprising because you think of this team as run first and super efficient there, giving the ball Dalvin, to Dalvin Cook in that way. But And then when you look at the 49ers defense, they're 22nd in pass DVOA, but third in rush DVOA. So when, when I take that all into account, we need to think that, or I'd hope if I'm taking the Vikings that Mike Zimmer and that offensive coordinator, I think it's, I'm trying to remember, it's Clint Kubiak, I believe, Gary Kubiak's son, no, that they're, they're going to have a philosophy change and they're going to go more towards a pass heavy approach because of the fact that you look at what the 49ers are strength, their strength is, which is their rush D and their pass D is their weakness. And you're really good at the against the pass when it comes to efficiency, as opposed to running the ball, you'd be like, okay, let's go all out, like, not all out pass, but like, let's go significantly more pass than run. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to do that. And meanwhile, the 49ers fifth in pass DVO and eighth in rush DVO. So they're really good on both, but the, the Vikings are eighth in pass DVO. D DVOA and 27th in rush D DVOA. So they're not good against the pass, uh, not good against the run. They're good against the pass. And we know that the 49ers want to operate through the run game. So the, so in this one, you see the 49ers, what they want to do on offense, they're able to do without having to adjust what they want to do. And meanwhile, on the Viking side of it, what they want to do on offense, which is run the ball. That's what, the, that's what the 49ers do well against. And the fact is, if you're taking the Vikings, you have to have belief that those two guys, Clint Kubiak and Mike Zimmer, are going to have a philosophy change where they're going to be like, you know what, go more towards the pass-heavy approach because this that's where the 49ers are weakest. And I'm not sure. I don't want to bank on that, but I'd rather go with – so I'd rather go with the 49ers in this one and take the three. Yeah, um, I'm going to go the other way and just, you know, uh, take the three. You're going to, like, lay the three with the Niners. I would take through the Vikings because um, – I think these teams are close to evenly matched. I think home field's not worth three points anymore, as we've sort of seen, you know. We, and we always say that. It's like, oh, if they played neutral field, like, oh, if this was neutral field, it would be a pick em. I think if this was neutral field, it'd be more like Niners minus one. I just think, like, you know, we talk about how all these teams have different, like, you know, worse uh, home records and stuff like that. I'm starting to think it's not worth three points. But anyway, um, dude, Cousins, 21 touchdowns, two picks on the season. You know, obviously, it's not actually that good. It's one of those things where it's like the Bills defense where the stats is better than the reality. Um, but 
you know, man, those are some good numbers. I think um, they're trending upwards. I think they're due for a letdown. And it's funny, you know, I picked against them last week and I'm going to pick up, I'm going to pick them this week and that's when they'll let me down. But, you know, the Niners are, you can say the same thing about them. They've been hot. They've been looking really good for a few weeks and I don't really trust that either. So I think either team could let you down here. Um, winner will probably make the playoffs. So it's a really big game. I would take the three points in Minnesota. I mean, that's a valid point. Like these, these teams are pretty even. And when you can get the three points, like, especially when you get that key number of three, it's not like two and a half. It's not like, it's not less. And than it's that. about to go to three and a half. You know, it's, I'm seeing plus three, plus a hundred and then minus three, minus one twenty. So it's. I might uh, have to hop on that quick if I really want to go with the Niners. Yeah. It's headed that way. Yeah. I just, I just have more faith in the fact that, you know, the Niners can stay, have, stay strong in what they want to do, which is running the ball. And while the Vikings obviously can do what they want when it comes to running ball, it's not the, when you look at the metrics of it, it's not the smart thing to do. And I'm just not really, I'm not in the belief that they're going to, you know, do the go pass heavy because I don't think the the defensive minded coach is really in the, in that mindset. He's not like a Brandon Staley, you know, the guy that I, I would, uh, I would vouch for if he was were to kill a baby. Um I just, I just don't think that Mike Zimmer is going to adjust his way because I think he wants to shorten the game. I think he wants his defense out there as little as possible and he wants to wind down that clock. So when they, when they, when you want to do that, you have to go with the run game as opposed to the pass game more often. I just don't think, I don't see them flipping that and that's what they should be doing. And especially when you, you know, you lay out the numbers about Kirk Cousins, he's not as good as those numbers are like when they, when you see 21 touchdowns, two interceptions, he's still very good or good. He's in that, you know, that Baker Mayfield range that we always talk about, you know, like the 12th around that top, like 12 to 15 best quarterback in the NFL. But I, I just like what the Niners are doing right now. I like the fact of, Mike, uh, like the Kyle Shanahan versus Mike Zimmer battle. I, I have more faith in, in Kyle Shanahan than Mike Zimmer. And then I, I just think they'll be able to exploit them through the run game. What, like they want to do in the Niners uh, as opposed to the Vikings where they want to operate through the run game. They won't, I don't think we'll have that much success. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the best matchup of the slate on Sunday Rams Packers right now, Rams minus one. What do you think about this one? Um, I think I kind of, I kind of like the Rams here. Um, you know, call me a little biased towards the Rams. That'd be fair. But I think, um, I think Rogers health is somewhat under question. And I also think the Rams have looked terrible and they had a very important bye week that they needed. Um, this is kind of a must win for the Rams more so than it is for the Packers. So I know just lost, but end of the day, they're not losing that division. Um, and the Rams on the other hand are, you know, they're flirting with dropping out of that group of five in the NFC the way they've looked the past few weeks and being that sort of, you know, uh, front of the next tier. But but I think I think they need this one really badly. I think you have a full week to get Odell, you know, going and then, um, you know, put him in the Robert Woods role. I like the Rams here. I think they need it way more. Um, and, yeah, and I, I just think um, – yeah, I, I like them this week. I really do. I, you know, I don't have any stats for it, but I do like them this week. I, I like them too. Coming off the bye, two straight primetime losses where they were handled, where they were handled, you know, like handled by the Titans. And then against, uh, who's the, who was the other game? Niners. Niners. Yeah, both of those. I mean, it, it was like going into it, they, they were, I think, favorite. They were favored in both. I believe it was three and a half or four against the Niners and then like six or seven against the Titans. Yep. And, you know, they got kind of blown out in those. And now they're two games back at the Cardinals record-wise and also don't have the tiebreaker. And like you were saying, I, 
I don't think they're in trouble. Like everybody's going to like they, their record might put them down in the next year, but everybody's going to say it's still a top five when it comes to the NFC and the Rams still belong in that, in that group, but it's still to the point where, you know, you're not in a division where you can, where you can waste away or you can, um, where you can. Yeah. You're in the one division lose. where you can't because there's five good teams. And unfortunately you're in the division with two of them. So. Exactly. You can't afford to keep losing games. And you know, when you look at it, I mean, San Fran, San Fran wins their game and the Rams lose theirs. San Fran's a game back. Mm-hmm. So at this, it becomes a very must win game. I like the Rams in this one. I think that they'll be able to take advantage of a Packers rush D that's not really great. They have Rams ranked ninth in rush DVOA Packers ranked 26. The Packers are pretty solid when it comes to the pass, but no Jair Alexander. Like you said, Odell after the bye week will be a lot more acclimated to the offense. He only played, I think, about like 10 snaps, really, for the most part, before the end of the game. Like, towards the end of the game, they got him in more snaps. But before that, I think him more acclimated to it, to it all. And then, you know, that was just one of the worst performances of the season for the Rams in that Monday night game or the Monday or Sunday night game against against the Niners. I expect them to bounce back. Sean McVay, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm sure he's one. Like, the good coaches are good off a bye. And Sean McVay is a good coach. It was tough. It's tough when you look at the Packers because they're they're coming off that big loss against the Vikings. I would have felt so much better about this game if the Packers had won that game, like the the emotional win, you know, the comeback win against the against the Vikings at home. I'm sure I'm sure Rodgers would have had like a moment like he had in, in Chicago where he's like, I own you like the same way to the Vikings. But they don't have that, but I still think I would take the Rams in this one because we've seen this Rams team, especially like when they met in the playoffs last year, it wasn't like they were, they were absolutely handled. It was, you could tell the quarterback disparity was the difference there was between Rodgers and Jared Goff. Now it's Rodgers versus Stafford. And we've seen Stafford can go head to head against against Aaron Rodgers and look like he's, you know, on that same level. And I expect him to be able to do so. And the guy, and he's a guy that's, you know, accustomed to playing in Lambeau, accustomed to the weather there, all of that. It's not like this California kid like Goff was where he had played at Cal, only played for the Rams. Mm-hmm. And did, was he ever, was he with the, was he with St. Louis? I, I don't know, but he never played in like the, the tundra that is Lambeau really, or that type of climate. Right. Meanwhile, Stafford has done that with his time with the Lions and all, in all of those games. So I think him getting acclimated there is definitely a key part to uh, when you want to handicap that and think about, you know, the quarterback battle there and the disparity or difference between what the Rams Packers game was last year, as opposed to this year where they, when they met in the playoffs and now. That's a very good point about that. You know, Stafford's been there a million times. So um, yeah, it should help them. All right. So let's go to the last game. Browns Ravens Sunday night. Um, You know, important game for both teams. The Ravens keep finding a way to win. They're minus four now at home with Lamar back, right? I mean, we have to assume he's coming back. Um, And, uh, yeah, you know, the Browns are kind of still, you know, uh, treading water. Um, They won by three points against the Lions um, with no Jared Goff. So that was a pretty ugly one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I – you know, I look at this and it's very similar to the Bengals um, and Steelers game where it's, you know, four points and the home team's minus four and you kind of, and you like the Steelers, you kind of go, okay, the four points is kind of value here, but I have a hard time actually convincing myself to take it. You know, I, I think, I think this game's kind of a stay away for me. Um, although we'll see if I'm saying that when it's like Sunday night and, and it's like a, you know, it's like a big sweet game to like decide the week. 
But yeah, um, yeah, you you've lost a couple of bets. You know, the, the like the Bucks ruined some money line parlays yeah, or like, and I'm, something. You're like, okay, let I'm me down look. fifty bucks. I'm trying to win it all back, and then like I'll talk myself into Brown spread probably. But um, yeah, I think it's a stay away. I think the Browns need it more than the Ravens, but I think the Ravens are just you know more equipped to win. That they find ways to win. They can pressure the QB. I mean Baker. You know, God knows he doesn't need to take more hits, but he probably will. And he'll be slow to get up on most of them. Um, but he's a tough guy. I'll probably keep playing. Um, you know, their run defense is solid, the Ravens, and that's what the Browns like to do. And you know, they flock to the ball, all that stuff. So I, I, I definitely like the Ravens here. I don't know if I love it with the points because, you know, they have a flair for the dramatic, flair for the last second win. But I do like them to win. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. I like the Browns with the number, but I don't think like the Ravens still to win this one. Both teams like you hammered on both teams want to run the ball. I mean, that's that's the MO for both these teams. If you if you watch any football, you know that. I mean, both teams rank in the top six in Russia, DVA. But when it comes to stopping the run, Ravens rank sixth while the Browns rank 17th. So Ravens definitely more equipped to handle that. Obviously, Calais Campbell in the middle is a big factor in that part. And then when you think about the health wise of the quarterbacks, Lamar, I very much anticipate he should be good. He should be good to go. Uh, he said he felt a lot better. I think Monday or Tuesday from his, from the virus he was dealing with that wasn't COVID related, but the point, but the point that you said about the Ravens and, you know, the flair for the dramatics, I mean, you look at their games, a lot of the, a lot of close ones. I mean, Kansas city, one point, Detroit, two points, Indy, six points, uh, Minnesota, three points, Chicago, three points. Those are, those are a bunch of their wins. And the Browns, this Browns team is good. And like you said, they they need to start stacking wins right now. Cause when you look at the, when you look at the standings of it all, and we've talked about, you know, the, the bunch, the group of teams in that middle tier for the AFC, they're right there in Baltimore, you know, Baltimore is only a game. What is this? Uh, a game and a half up, I believe on, mm-hmm. uh, on the, on the Browns at this point. So I think this is a definitely a must win situation for, for Cleveland. Not so much where it's like the Super Bowl of all, like, like we love to say, because I think that'll come if they lose this game after their bye week, which is uh, following this week. And then they go to, they play Baltimore again. But I think four points is, is a lot, especially when you get those two key numbers of three and four with you. If you want to take the Raven, if you want to take the Browns, I think that's a smarter play when you just look numbers wise, because I think these teams are still close. And I think, you know, it's any given week and the Browns could look as bad as they did against the Lions last week, but they then can come out and, you know, just dom- absolutely dominate um, the, this uh, this Ravens team. I don't expect them to do, but but it's just like the fact of in the NFL, that's what um, that that's just what happens. I mean, you look at the Ravens and after the Lions game, they beat Denver 23 to seven. They like they played the Lions down to the wire. They had that 60 something yard field goal against them to win. And you're like, okay, this team can only beat the Lions by two. And then they they're traveling to Denver. And I'm sure a lot of people like Denver. It was probably a three point spread in that one. Um, And Ravens came out and dominated one that one from start to finish and beat them 23 to seven. So I I think just harping on the fact that the Browns were close with the with the Lions and that's why you want to take the Ravens and the Ravens beat the, the Bears. I just I, I don't think that's a sound philosophy for how you should go about handicapping this one. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, both games were close, really. I mean, granted, you know, the um, the Ravens didn't have Lamar, but it's not like either game was particularly pretty. Well, that's where that's where the fact that they didn't have Lamar is something you're like, oh, they didn't even have Lamar and they beat like a pretty good Bears team. But then you look at like, oh, the Bears team that lost like 26 to six against this Browns team and the Browns just absolutely dominated them from start to finish. Like, yeah. And the, and the secondary for the Ravens is still a major question mark. 
with, you know, just in general, they've lost a bunch of guys, obviously Marcus Peters, Deshaun Elliott, a bunch of guys there. And it's not like the Browns pass attack is super lethal, especially with Baker Mayfield being injured, but it's the fact that, you know, it's not in the, like the bears couldn't take advantage of that. And I, I think the Browns, even with Baker being injured should have a better time of doing so. So I, I like them to keep that one close. And when I can get three and four again, I'll take that. So let's get to our bets. Rough week for me. I was 0-3. First 0-3 of the season. I, I've been on a – I've been I've been spiraling. I, yeah, I you've need – You've been tanking a little bit. There's no I, doubt. I know, and it is so frustrating. And you just keep going on strong. You were 2-1 last week. I'm 14-15-1. I'm sub-500 for the first oh, time. Wow. I got to say, of the season, I know. I know. Okay. I've, had some, I've had some brutal beats. Like, I, I think it was a couple weeks ago, I had like two and a half, and I got two – like. It, there's just been some bad beats, but also, you know, like the like the Saints the past like last week. I took the Saints and I expected Kamara, I expected Ramchek, and I expected Armstead to play. They all didn't play, and I I didn't end up betting it myself, <laughs> but I, I took on the pot and I have to own it because I, I thought they were gonna play. I gotta come back stronger, and now the now it just knocked off like because I was gonna take the Giants at plus three and a half, but I gotta knock that one off. Um which is rough. I really like that spot. You're 23, one and nine. You were two and one last week. I got, I got to step up my game. That's just as simple as spot. Just as simple as that, you know, Yep. hold myself to a better standard. So I'll start off first. I like the bucks minus three. Like I laid out before, I think that their ability to stop the run, which is what Indy wants to do on offense is the key on that side of the ball. And then offensively for Tampa, the fact is that they, you know, Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, they're better throwing the ball than they are running the ball. And that's where, you know, this indie defense is really good stopping the run with Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, all those guys on the inside. But pass on the secondary, they're not that great there. And the ability for them to take advantage there, I think, is going to be the key offensively and then defensively stopping what the what the Colts want to do and putting it in Carson Wentz's hands to win the game, not necessarily just be that guy that he was against the Bills, where it was like, you know, make some plays, but we're going to run through Jonathan Taylor. He's going to get us there. I don't think they'll be able to do that in this one. And when I can get the the clear, better quarterback, uh, I'll take the three points, mm-hmm. despite the fact that, you know, it, it's three points and they have to win by more than a field goal. Yeah, makes sense. Right, I'm going to take the Vikings plus three. Um, yeah, I just think I think the teams are close. If anything, I like the Vikings a little bit more. Um, and, you know, I'm getting three. I think this is the first time we're going to have this. I think this is the first time we are going to have a head-to-head in our picks because I'm going with the Niners minus three. Let's go. I I laid it out before. I, I do not have faith that Clint Kubiak and Mike Zimmer will change their philosophy to the point where they run the ball or they pass the ball more than they run the ball or significantly more where they take advantage of a suspect 49ers secondary. And I think Kyle Shanahan, he wants to run the ball. And that's not what the that's not what the Vikings really do well. And I think the fact that, you know, Brandon Ayuk started to catch his stride. George Kittle's back and, and starting to do well. And obviously Debo Samuel has been that guy all year and Jimmy G's taking into it has uh, been playing pretty well over this past couple of weeks. I like where they're at right now. And it's a one where, you know, you see where you're like, that was a massive win for the Vikings. That was probably the biggest win that they had this season with the, with the Niners, they took care of business against the Jags. I thought that could have been, you know, a little letdown spot after their massive win against the Rams, but this one, now you're home and you, you kind of see like, Oh, we can actually catch the Rams now. Like we, we don't need to be the third best. We could be the second best team in the division. And then that gives us that next leg up in the wild card spot when it comes to, you know, matchups wise. So I like, I like the Niners in this one. Uh, my next pick, I'm going to go Texans minus two and a half hosting the Jets. Um, Wilson's back. I think, you know, very convenient that like the other two QBs are on the COVID list. 
um, you know, some would say that's a little questionable, but they whatever. are. I didn't even know that. Yeah, Flacco and White both are. So wow. it's like very convenient that they can bring Wilson back without having to say that it was like for play. It was just like out of necessity. Um, but no, I think the Texans play better with Tyrod, as you said earlier. And um, yeah, just, you know, I think two and a half is, it's not great. You never want to lay points with the Texans, but, you know, given that they're playing the Jets, you only have to lay two and a half. I guess it's reasonable. So yeah, Texans. The key number of three is definitely a big point there. The one thing that makes me nervous is the fact that, you know, the Colts, or no, not the, well, that the Texans just beat the Titans last week. And, you know, you know, massive win, biggest win that yeah. they'll have this season. That makes me a little bit nervous. And meanwhile, the Jets, you know, struggled with the struggle with the Dolphins, who aren't a great team, but I think they're starting to find their stride, especially defensively. And, you know, Zach Wilson, maybe, maybe, maybe he's uh, developed a little bit, even despite the fact that he was injured and didn't play games. It's just like you see Mike White, you see how he operates the offense and saw that they found success there obviously despite the fact that he had a bunch of turnovers in that Bills game, but before that where he found success, I think maybe you could take some notes there. It makes me a little bit worried, but I also think that that would be more so the case if you were playing three or three and a half, as opposed to the two and a half where it's like, okay, we just got to win by a field goal. And yeah, like you said, they play a lot better with Terod Taylor as opposed to, you know, Davis Mills or whoever, they actually look like a competent football team that can compete really with anybody. And they took like, they took care of business against, the three or two and a half games that they've played with him, they've pretty much won since he, when he was in there. He, they beat the Jags. The first half he was in there against the Browns, they were winning 14 to seven after, when he got injured. And then against the Titans, they won. So they're pretty much yeah, but, I mean, two and a half and one, two and a half and oh. What? It's not true, though. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Two, yeah. Yeah. Never mind. Two and one. My bad. Thank you. Thank you for that. I actually completely forgot. <laughs> okay. My last pick, I'm going Rams minus one. Uh, laid it out before. Coming off the bye, two straight primetime losses. You have a really good coach in Sean McVay. You have a quarterback there that, you know, as opposed to golf last year, can actually keep you in this game and actually be a guy that you can lean on there. And he, with Stafford's experience playing not only in Lambeau, not only in the conditions, but going up against Rodgers, he knows, you know, this Packers, this Packers atmosphere, he knows what it feels like to go up against Rodgers, what you need to do, all this type of stuff. Not, not like so much as playing, but just, you know, the full throttle, you know, the whole gamesmanship of going like Rodgers on the opposite sideline. That's the guy you're competing against under center, all this type of stuff. They're coming off the bye, two really bad losses. And I think that they have they feel they feel the urgency, especially with the fact that the Cardinals go two and one with Colt McCoy over their past three with no Kyler Murray. They've got to start stacking wins. They got to start putting themselves in a position so that when they play the Cardinals for the second time and they have the potential to even up the tiebreaker that they're sitting there and they've made this conference record, which I believe is the next tiebreaker after the after that. Whether or not uh, is it it might be divisional actually, but still a con- yeah but still a, co- a conference record against a really good team this is a must, very must win game for them and especially when you can draw closer towards the cardinals when it comes to the divi- when it comes to the whole division race yeah no i think it's a good point that you said um that like the cardinals are winning even with cole mccoy which uh which makes it like you know been stressful for the Rams I'm sure looking over and seeing them win every week yeah you can't you it's not like you can even gain any ground on it's like oh Cole McCoy's there they're going up against you know the Niners or they're going to be yeah they went up against the Niners they go up against the Seahawks you're like oh they got to drop at least one of those games nope 2-0 in those obviously lost to the Panthers but it was just like you know you wouldn't expect that especially I believe they were both or one road game and one home game or I'm trying to remember but 
what definitely the Seahawks team was on the road and you weren't anticipating that or I wasn't because I took the I took the Seahawks like an idiot all right my last pick Falcons minus one and a half um long week for them better team uh off a tough loss all that stuff I, I think they could win by a lot but at least one by you know two or more I, I do like that spot for them against the Jags Jags I would have liked it better like I mean Nobody gets to their perfect scenario really for these games, but I would have liked it better if they played a closer game. But they they just absolutely got smacked by the by the Niners pretty much throughout. And the one thing that I will say that works in their favor is that we saw Kyle Pitts get limited against the against the Patriots. Obviously, you don't really they don't have the guys not only on on uh, Jacksonville to do that, but their coaches just aren't Bill Belichick, so you don't have to worry about that. And that's the one guy that you really Matt Ryan can look for to make that to make those big plays, to put up the points. And again, the long time where you have to, where they got to rest from Thursday till Sunday definitely plays a part in that. And when you only have to get the one and a half, definitely. I, I like that pick of that game. Okay. So to recap, I got bucks minus three, 49ers minus three Rams minus one. And you got Vikings plus three Texans minus two and a half Falcons minus one and a half. I'm 14, 15 and one. You're 21 and nine. Oh my God. I'm so I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Yeah, you gotta catch me. I gotta, I gotta get closer. You're, you're hitting at like a 60, like 8% clip right now. Like <laughs> I got, I gotta get it. I gotta get at least to like the 55%. Like yeah, I, I got I, but baby steps. I gotta get over 50. Yeah. I'm glad I started taking my own picks recently, but yeah. All right. That'll do it for us. You know, happy Thanksgiving and thank you to everybody that's been listening and supporting for the past you know, year, however long it's been. So, yeah, thank you, everybody, and happy holidays. Yep, you said it perfectly. We'll catch you guys on Monday to recap all these games. Thank you for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>